everyone. Welcome to a new episode of the Skeptically Inclined Science Podcast. We're on episode 32. I'm your co-host, Evan. And I'm Tom. Uh, yeah, and we're back uh, after our Christmas break. Um, on today's episode, uh, what are you going to cover today, Tom? This hugely popular paper from Nature Medicine about the risk of myocarditis uh, associated with COVID-19 vaccine and SARS-CoV-2 infection. Okay, so basically trying to set the set the set the story straight about what. Yeah, the see risk what the paper says exactly, and uh, if this whole means, yeah. um, debate about myocarditis in young people versus infection is is there a case that it does lead to um, increased risk? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's and just, you? that's just our main story. Yeah, I'm just going to cover a few news stories that I uh, I've seen since, you, since our you, last episode. For certain science news stories that I heard, that was I thought were interesting. Um, but yeah, welcome back back after Christmas. Did you have a good Christmas break? You you celebrated your 30th birthday, so yeah, I was depressed at the start, but then I was really happy. Mm. Somewhere in the meantime, I got COVID, but now I'm healthy. Yeah. We and, both uh, got yeah. COVID, so oh yeah, we both did. Yeah, uh, so, um, so we got that tick, that cr- box ticked. <laughs> uh, yeah, for the first time, right? You haven't had before. No, yeah, no, so, yeah, yeah. Um, interesting experience, but luckily we were both had it mild, and this is what the whole Omicron supposedly is is a milder, yeah. milder form, um, and yeah, there's a lot of science news that happened over that time. I won't. We won't go into it in detail, but um, just briefly, we had the the James Webb Telescope that was launched. So that's going to be give us sim- super important information um, about galaxies far away and different stars and all that. So that should be super is, is interesting. This one be- is this one better than the uh, the Hubble Telescope? The Hubble, yeah, it's going to be it's better. Um, it's better. It, it okay. launched on Christmas Day and. Uh, yeah, it just it everything seemed to work out fine um, under its on on uh, unfurling of all the equipment and all that stuff. So a lot of different technical bits, and just have to say, I know NASA don't listen, but fair play to the NASA and ESA and everyone who is associated with it, and um, hopefully we can get some really cool information from it. Yeah, um, space exploration. Go on. And the other news, and I think I'm going to cover this in a story, maybe sometime. Elizabeth Holmes from Tyrannos, she was found guilty of fraud, frauding investors, but not uh, patients. If anyone didn't know, Elizabeth Holmes founded Tyrannos, which was like this new company that was meant to be able to detect all these different... Oh, it was meant to detect all these different diseases. Or, yeah. Yeah. Um, where the a pinprick, and then it turned out that she... It wasn't physically possible, and... She was a grifter in the end, really, it seemed like so. Um just a big fat lie. Big fat lie. Yeah, yeah. So she so she was found guilty. Is she like a f- your favorite person to hate? Because um, like you do you do silk around her a couple of times. I suppose it's such a great I think everyone loves to see it was the rise and the downfall of a, a, a false prophet. <laughs> yeah, well just like everyone I think everyone loves to see. I don't know. Well, I was going to say everyone loves to see someone like <laughs> downfall, but which is a bit mean. But I think something that just seemed too good to be true, and it tro- tro- showed out it was too good to be true. Yeah, I think it just from coming from a biological sciences, especially when you work in laboratory sciences, and just see like all these false promises. It's good to see that what is impossible and. Uh, these all these false promises which never could be possible and yeah, yeah. Just, it's just good that justice is kind of done but I still sorry I do want to I think I will cover how the implications for patients in the future because if she wasn't found guilty of defrauding patients and I don't think that was entirely fair so um, yeah because you do give the patients false hope yeah <clears throat> but like yeah well, I, I won't go into more any more mm-hmm. detail, but I do think I might cover that as a story because I do think it, mm-hmm. the whole story is interesting, uh, and th- I think they're making like several movies now about this. So of course they it's are. coming to the cinema near you soon. So <laughs> you yeah, heard it; you'll hear it. I've heard it from her us first. 
hopefully it will never repeat itself yeah yeah um yeah so that was just the other big news the other quick uh news headlines i just wanted to briefly mention kind of interesting funny the first thing i had seen was uh covid19 and sex so basically although you might have expected rates of sexual activity have gone up during the lockdown the opposite has been the case judging by the plight of the world's leading condom makers with um company that jorex they mm-hmm. said that sales have dropped by over 40 percent over the last past two years um and this despite the optimism from its chief that the lockdowns meant people having nothing to do but sex and others <laughs> abstaining from having children during a crisis would fuel double digit growth in demand but they then they were they realized that um I think that's not what happens during a pandemic. <laughs> they increasing, forgot about Netflix. <laughs> yeah, well, there's increased anxiety, there's drop in dating, and people let her like just mm-hmm. doing one night stands and all that kind of stuff. So condom sales fell. So, um, yeah, this was in a meta analysis. They did it from seven studies from China, Italy, Turkey, the UK, and the US. Okay. Yeah, so a decrease in sexual activity, which indicates the impairment of the individual's quality of sexual life. So, we are very sorry for the massive corporation not being able to capitalize <laughs> on the tragedy of millions of people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, they said there was an upside that um, things got so bad that that to switch to making other products such as rubber gloves to make up the shortfall. So. Oh, yeah. They stepped up and uh, made up the shortfall <laughs> when they had to. <laughs> that's a, no, that's a, that's that's a good thing. Yeah, yeah there so. was a shortage of supplies. Oh, uh, yeah. So um, I thought that was interesting, but not that surprising. I think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I had seen was, um, yeah, it's the Screlly Awards. So, mm. did you read this already? I know of him and yeah I didn't read the paper though the Screlly Awards are named after Martin Screlly it's kind of known as a pharma bro (laughs) Uh, (laughs) so he he's a guy who bought rights to cheap niche drugs and then hiked the price to like make a huge profit this is kind of the highlights the sick nature of (laughs) American health industry that they can do this enormous move towards everyone who's yeah. sick in honor of martin screlly they have these screlly wards so it's, they look at the most biggest douchebags and our biggest like injustice in the healthcare system in america and i just they picked out some interesting stories so i just thought i could give them a quick uh, mention on here on the podcast so last year the place of dishonor went to the trump's administration personal protective equipment task force which was led by jared kushner uh who gave government supplies to well-connected private companies and then started a bidding war among states to that were desperate to secure masks and gowns oh my god yeah i remember <coughs> so hearing about this. first year on this year's role of shame is a story i've already mentioned before uh adesibimab um which was going to be used to treat alzheimer's i've already mentioned this if you want to check it out look at our previous podcast so it costs about $28,000 per year per patient and or as if in yours it's 24,530 uh the drug has been shown to reduce amyloid plaque in the brain but has never demonstrated clinical benefit in controlling symptoms or slowing progression yeah it it was like okay they're charging heightened up this price for a drug that even might even work um it's actually interesting i might as well mention on this that um the I, I said i wanted to investigate further they said that the u.s center for medicare and medicaid they said they're going to na- it's announced its own review and had found significant doubt that the adesimumab's benefits outweighs its weakness so they're not going to cover this in their medicaid so again this means that it mightn't be recommended to be used in treatment for certain patients wow yeah um the second place in the ward went to Sa- the sackler family who became owners of the drug company purdue um and this is the 
family or the company involved in the marketing of oxycontin two so decades ago is it yeah it's a yeah. really highly addictive it's almost like heroin really and they were yeah. using that to treat pain yeah they badly underplay the risk of opioid addiction and it's widely seen as the having opened the door to america's lethal opioid epidemic there's a really good yeah. show on uh, disney it's called dope sick uh, oh really i must well, i want to watch that actually as well um, okay about, it's I, about this whole story so i would recommend if anyone wanted to learn more yeah it's it actually it says that the family sought away billions of dollars abroad and has fought to, a long legal battle to keep its wealth out of the hands of state and local governments which said that the public paid the health costs while the sacklers reaped the po- profits it's just it's just interesting um that like how corrupt the whole thing is and how they managed to profit off her yeah, after like and how many people have died since then so really so disgusting Merck earned a Screlly Award for its new COVID antiviral drug Molnupinavir I've I mentioned this as well previously um, the treatment was originally developed using US government funding uh, as a potential treatment for <laughs> this is funny Venezuelan equine encephalitis and now it, they're using it to treat COVID. <laughs> but so they it, repurposed the drug? must have been, yeah. Okay. So it costs $18 to produce a course of monopinifir, yet Merck is charging the US government $712. So I don't know how many times uh, <laughs> oh it's been uh, profit they are getting. Um, at the same time, Merck is offering generous discounts to low-income countries. Uh, a pattern f- familiar to U.S. experts who say that drug companies can find their most egregious, egregious profiteering to the U.S. because that's where they can get away with it. And then quickly, before we go into your story, they said there was one story. It was this is the same um, Scrally Awards where they saw a woman uh, in a hospital in Atlanta in America. She was billed seven hundred dollars after she shot after she sat in its emergency waiting room for several hours with a head injury but then gave up and left without being seen after she complained the healthcare uh, system or the healthcare company wrote to the woman and the email said you get charged before you are seen not bef- not for being seen oh my god <laughs> she got charged for like sitting there and not just getting not, no help what is this system over there? And then it was another story in New York where they routinely billed patients and insurers more than $3,000 for COVID nasal swabs, although the test cost only about $100. Uh, and this is was because patients were diverted to the busy emergency department for testing because it allowed for a higher billing schedule to be applied. <laughs> How is the healthcare system working over there? I mean, it's seriously. Crazy. It's it's run for a profit. And that's the like problem. You can't, you can't, you literally can't afford to be sick over there. No. It's just so corrupt. Like, and, and, but yeah, if like, they're always trying to make money and that's like, you're not, that's not the healthcare. The healthcare isn't made, you shouldn't be designing healthcare to make money, but that's how capitalistic America is. Like, they have to, yeah, but that's... Yeah, profit off someone. Yeah, it's it's unreal, super bad. And it's is, is it because unethical. all of these pharmaceutical companies like lobby the government or something like that? Like they uh, pay money that, and then they get lost in the favors. That and health insurance companies and then oh, okay. like they're all tied up and it's really hard. I do admit like it is hard to change a health system because you constantly need a health system. If you want to make a new one, how do you like start a new one and then get rid of the old one and transfer yeah. it yeah. I'm, I'm so naive about things like that i just don't know and then i always I, i'm always surprised when i hear about these stories like how is that even possible it's crazy it's just and then there's like there's people look like, i'd want to pay for poor people to get their health care and i was like wow <laughs> yeah like, I, I don't, don't i think we all uh, you all pay taxes to go to fund a health system that's how it should work you shouldn't have to be like yeah, like it shouldn't know. be a, dis- a, a disbalance of equality in how people are treated. That's just should be the case. Yeah, but like, I mean, everyone has the right to be healthy and functional. Yeah, but even in Ireland, there's there is a public and private health care system, so we we can't even. I suppose it's not as bad as America, but we don't even have that either. So, I mean, I was my entire life on the public health system, and in Ireland, yeah, it wasn't that bad. <laughs> like, yeah, but I don't think you were that you. 
well did you get did you have to go to hospital a lot or well i had uh i had a couple of mris done on my knee and that was uh oh wow well, you got that through the public service actually no i paid for that yeah, okay. you, have to pay, yeah. you would have to yeah. pay for that yeah 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 but like would you not wait were you waiting ages to get that because that's always the MRI uh, scans yeah but now I, now that i remember we i went to the private clinic and i paid for it so yeah but uh, like i don't know it didn't let us down i suppose uh it's <laughs> yeah, always I, easy to it, it's always easy to complain in but an it, ideal it wasn't system, you wouldn't have to pay and you could get it you wouldn't have to wait months to get it done yeah but we'll never get an ideal system like that yeah that's well. just like a daydreaming i think okay um okay anyways agree that, to disagree that's uh <laughs> that's that was just a on you like funny stories i've seen um over yeah, since sure. christmas so can I, if i can just add one funny story to it um yeah. you were talking about the <clears throat> drop in the sex life yeah <clears throat> doesn't the, it didn't uh, apply to you no and the thing that i'm gonna say also doesn't apply to me i think it's uh did you hear that there is a um, uh, erectile dysfunction associated with oh, yeah. uh, post-covid infections yeah this is and one of the sim- long co- long covid symptoms is it? yeah and they reckon it's because the the blood vessels getting constricted around the uh, penis and it just doesn't grow that big as it used to before the <laughs> infection so wh- why is it why are the const- why is it constricted? I didn't I didn't okay. look into like the the physiology behind it, but okay. they reckon it's because the flow of blood is not as uh, free as it was oh, before okay. the infection. Right. Yeah, because someone like um, sent a letter somewhere that they complain about this the size of their penis, and then <laughs> the kind of story blow up in, <laughs> in the internet as it does, you know, when yeah. someone sends a letter like that. Uh, but apparently, it has it has something to do with uh, uh, post infection blood flow <laughs> i'm just funny i just imagine like he he meets a new woman and she sees it he's like oh yes it must be just because of covid like yeah, it's not as big as normal yeah you should have seen it before <laughs> yeah but uh, i know i feel sorry imagine for the that guy. she just was like he, he had to keep going with that story that he he <laughs> complained to his gp he's like okay i need to <laughs> I, I yeah. like it. Yeah. Soon enough, you're going to put this as a disclaimer on your Tinder account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Do you think it could, ha- it could be true or is it just a lot of... Look, if, it's if it rare, would happen to me, rare. it would be definitely true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but I don't, I don't know. It's, I a, don't know. it's a good sure excuse there's... to have anyways. I always like... If, uh, definitely. If... <laughs> But I think there has to be a little bit of truth to it, like you know, maybe. But I don't know. I suppose it's a good. It's a. It's a. It's, if it is. If it is confirmed, it is a scientific excuse for whatever problem. It doesn't have to have. be confirmed. It'll be always used. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just um, like the other myths around the yeah, COVID nineteen. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 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 Well, on that note, we'll draw there. <laughs> okay. Uh, so I'm gonna. I'm going to talk today about the paper that was published in Nature and uh, I, I sort of noticed it that it was used to kind of support both cases of uh, being pro or anti-vaccine depends on how did you look at it and how did you interpret it the results yeah the per- paper in itself is very long and complicated and it's divided into myocarditis pericarditis and cardiac arrhythmias associated with infections of SARS-CoV infections and vaccination. So I will just focus on myocarditis because it is the uh, like the main, most controversial thing that yeah. you hear. Um, so just to sort of introduce the, the topic of myocarditis and a little bit of a background. So we're not just talking about risks because that just kind of wouldn't make sense in the greater content of this uh, disease. So as um, myocardium, because that's where the myocarditis is, word derived is from, is the the other name for the heart muscles. And so we already know that this condition has something to do with the heart. And for everyone out there, if if you hear someone using smart words that ends with ITs, you can can already know that this means inflammation. So myocarditis means heart inflammation. Um, And you know, if it is if if it is ongoing, it does lead uh, to to heart uh, tissue death. So this is something that you definitely don't want it to happen with the heart. You want heart yeah. to be functioning. 
as it even before the the uh, pandemia, myocarditis was very hard to diagnose because it has because it has a heterogeneous presentation. So it can range from being asymptomatic to mild to to severe destruction, and it is it is often associated with viral infection. So that's something that it can be draw a link between the COVID nineteen and um, and myocarditis, and because of its hard diagnosis, it is um, the prevalence has been estimated or narrowed down to approximately twenty two cases per one hundred one hundred thousand patients annually. Even in itself is not is not that uh, that common uh, yeah. in in its occurrence. Due to its heterogeneous presentation, myocarditis is thought to be underdiagnosed and underrepresented, and this is actually being supported by retrospective autopsy studies that reveal myocarditis can and was overlooked. So, uh, people what would be the symptoms of myocarditis? Is it or is it obvious? Just heart pain. Just heart pain, but not um, as painful as if it was a heart attack. I don't know what would be the real difference between uh, between the two. Yeah. Okay. But coming back to the like the epidemiological studies, um, so a Finnish uh, a Finnish study from Finland from 2013 showed that males are more more likely to develop myocarditis, and this conclusion was drawn from a poll of around 3,200 people. Further on, although rare, the American Heart Association and American College of Cardiologists ranked myocarditis as third leading role in sudden cardiac death in athletes. And this is all before we start hearing about uh, myocarditis mm. uh, in the context of the vaccines or in the context of SARS-CoV-2. So already before that, they, they, thought, they saw it as a third leading role in sudden cardiac death in athletes. Yeah. Myocarditis is can be caused by viruses, bacteria, fungi, and uh, protozoa, which are <coughs> single cell organisms. And uh, when I was looking at the review, because I wanted to see, okay, is has the coronavirus has been already linked to myocarditis? Is then has there be a connection made before uh, b- before the SARS-CoV-2? So the viruses that were listed most of most often were adenoviruses, enteroviruses, herpes viruses, uh, HIV influenza A virus. And there was very little information found about link between coronaviruses and myocarditis. So I did a a PubMed PubMed search. So just a quick, quick scan just to see if there is any, if there was any link ever. So I found two, uh, two cases in all the papers that I, but I said the brackets between uh, year 2000 and 2020. So 20 years of this uh, 20 year spam. And I was trying to look for papers or case studies. So the first one I came across was a case report study of a 60 year years of age male diagnosed with acute myocarditis. And that particular con- that particular myocarditis was associated with MERS, which is which was a form of uh, COVID um, coronavirus. And in 2014, a 2014 case of nine months old male diagnosed with myocarditis. And in that particular case, a comprehensive PCR-based viral respiratory panel was positive with coronaviruses and Epstein-Barr virus. But in the conclusion of that case report, they linked myocarditis to the coronavirus and they didn't even mention the um, EBV. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. I don't know if uh, if you can just do that. Yeah. If you can kill um, one, it's still as well. Like there's still you don't you don't know. It's uh, yeah. You can, they could be positive for the virus, but like you can't. You just have to assume that they were correlated. That like the reason they're my they have myocarditis is because they have the virus. It's like there's no way of actually knowing, is there? Yeah, but like you know, it's a given that it's an inflammation of a heart muscle. I don't think you can just be nine months old and just have like inflammation There's out no of nothing in your heart like you know because it, like yeah. what are the chances of getting sterile inflammation like it, there is usually some but trigger is, is it always inflammation that causes it yeah because it's yeah it's an inflammatory based condition yeah but like that doesn't mean it has to be an infection could it not be but like, like how else would you explain like how would you how else would you would you explain a drive of immune cells and immune sp- Pro-immune stimuli. There's no, there's no autoimmune. Is there? No. I don't. I haven't come across it. I don't think it, so. 
Okay. Um, other than that, there were some papers. Uh, so okay, I couldn't find anything in this twenty-year, twenty years bracket. I went a little bit further into the nineties, and in in the nineties there were like research papers explaining or showing how experimental models from myocarditis and and heart failure uh, can be induced in rabbits following the rabbit coronavirus infections. So kind of in the nineties they show it in the rabbits, but mm. then it was but that that was pretty much all. It, it's not like you see myocarditis and coronavirus being very often associated. As I said, there are other viruses that, that are linked with myocarditis at much higher rate than coronavirus. So that it's basically, it, there's been very little sh link shown yeah, between the two. up to the date. And yeah. even if there has, it's like not been reported at all. So Yeah. So there is the issue of this condition being just in general underdiagnosed. Um, and for that reason, we have so little information between coronavirus and the yeah. myocarditis or it's just ultra rare and it just hasn't really happened that often prior to the development and of did you ever see with the original SARS-CoV-2 with the original SARS-CoV there was was there anything no so really? the only thing that if they were maybe they were overlooking this and didn't report on it mm. as I said with the MERS uh, I only saw with the MERS and this six-year-old male um, and again, it's there's it's males seems to be much more affected by it than than females. So I was kind of so I did this this background check in in preparation to this paper, and then I think before we start discussing the paper, I just want to say that in general myocarditis is extremely rare. Okay. And in the paper, when I say that there is a there is an association with a higher risk of one vaccine or the other with the myocarditis it doesn't mean that like 40 percent of people who get vaccinated yeah. get it's like a higher risk it means that within the extremely small poll of people yeah. they observed that this extremely small number of people had a higher risk compared to the other extremely small number of people yeah so let's not make it bigger than it is okay i think this is very important so in either way this is very the, the the risks are extremely small. But anyway, let's let's discuss the paper. It was published in the um, Nature Medicine, so one of the best journals, scientific journals that is out there. In this paper, three conditions are evaluated in the context of COVID nineteen vaccination and SARS CoV two infections, and these are myocarditis, pericarditis, and cardiac arrhythmia. And as I already mentioned, we will only talk about myocarditis. So as I already, I already give a little bit of a little bit of the background to the condition, and about the paper, there's a multiple adverse effects uh, were linked with the COVID nineteen vaccines. These included changes to menstruation cycle, allergic and anaphylactic re re reactions, as well as cases of myocarditis. Now we already know that some of them are not true. For example, this dysregulation of menstrual cycle. Yeah. It was, this was just not true. Total disinformation. Disinformation, that exactly. People, the vaccine yeah. skeptic side. The vaccine skeptical side. They would um, spout. Exactly. So, so if you ever hear that, then it's complete uh, lie. Yeah, it's not true. It's, okay. it's just misinformation. However, there are some truths to the other claims that have been made, and one of them being the cases of myocarditis. However, or regardless how small they were, they did happen. Okay. In the States, as of the 4th of November of 2021, 1,783 1, reports of heart inflammation has been reported via the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System among people 12 to 19 following mRNA vaccination. But now, this Vaccine Adverse Event Report System is not a good system because you can report there anything you want without any back background checking and it's just being registered. Mm. Someone reported that their side effect after vaccine was turning into the Hulk and that's like an official thing on that website. So, you know, <laughs> this is in the US. Yeah. So it's not like you can Yeah. It is not, there is no background check. It's not verifiable, but 
they have this system and there is 1783 reports of heart inflammation someone could have since, had it and reported this, since when is this since the beginning of the pandemic uh well when? it's since the start of distribution the mrna vaccines okay. and this number is as of the 4th of november okay um, so not the most reliable system 2021 oh so oh okay four so the 4th of november 2021 they they looked yeah, at that day, they looked up at it. Up to that date. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. sorry. sorry. From, the, from the rollout of the uh, mRNA vaccines. Yeah. Uh, so as I said, not most reliable system. So in Europe, as of the 9th of July 2021, 311 cases of heart inflammation has been recorded out of almost 200 million mRNA vaccines distributed. Wow. But this is across the European Union. So it's Europe, way, Europe. way less... Yeah, it's way less reports in in Europe. Exactly, and that that might to do with either having a better uh, system for reporting these events. And by what I mean is not that just you put in, you press enter, and get registered. Maybe there is a little bit more of a background check. Maybe physicians have to report it rather than a person themselves. Yeah. Um, or it could be because in Europe these cases are being overlooked and we're not picking mm. up everything. But I, I think it's more likely the, the first form. reason rather than being yeah. overlooked. Well, the way you explain it, it, if anyone could report it, it seems definitely more likely the over-reporting in the US than it could be the under-reporting case. in Europe. Yeah. Further on, uh, as we look at the vaccines, no association between heart inflammation was observed with the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine. So like it really is around the uh, the mRNA vaccines, mm-hmm. this whole heat. So it's kind of li- similar to the whole clotting where you didn't see that with the uh, mRNA, but you've seen it with the AstraZeneca. Y- yeah, so it's like the other way around this yeah, time. Yeah, this time yeah. it's the other way around. The collected data suggests that it is the adolescent male following the second dose who are more likely to suffer from the heart inflammation. And... This kind of checks out with what we've seen in general with the myocarditis, right? These males being affected by it more than females. So this is something that at least follows some sort of a, a, a track or path that we are familiar with. So the big question is, what is the risk or is there a risk of developing myocarditis after vaccine? And same goes for developing the risk of myocarditis following the SARS-CoV infection. Is there a risk? And if it is, what's, what's the difference? Yeah. So just look. Let's look at the vaccines themselves and the rollout and and the and the numbers because really it comes down to getting all the numbers right. So Pfizer vaccination began on the and this is UK based study. So all of the dates refer to the rollout in um, in the UK. Okay. So Pfizer vaccination began on the eighth of December twenty twenty, and as of uh, altogether there was uh, seventeen million vaccines distributed Pfizer vaccines. Oxford AstraZeneca vaccination began on the 4th of January 2021 and it hit 20 million vaccinated people. And then Moderna vaccination began began on the 13th of April 2021. So it was the the Moderna has the had the lowest amount of time to to get into the people because it was the the, the last vaccine to to, to be rolled out. And only 1 million people get vaccinated with Moderna. Okay. So that gives a total of 38 million people who got at least one dose, right? Between the, between all the, all the mRNA or all the vaccines? Between the Pfizer, Oxford's, uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca and Moderna. So between these three vaccines, 38 million people got at least one dose. Now, from that 38 millions, 32 million received two doses. And uh, for Pfizer, it was equal to uh, 12 million people. For Oxford AstraZeneca, it was equal to almost 20 million people. And for Moderna vaccine, which again was the latest one in the among these three, it was only uh, 368,000 people. Okay. So not, not even half a million people. Yeah, so a lot less. What we have to keep in mind is that Moderna has the lowest number among people. So the lowest number of people receive Moderna. Yeah. I couldn't phrase that sentence forever. <laughs> Um, so now, among those with at least one dose, there were 3 million individuals who had SARS-CoV-2 positive test. So 7, 7% of those who received uh, at least one dose. 
of those people who were positive with SARS-CoV-2, 2 million individuals tested positive before vaccine, while well, 713,000 uh, tested positive after the first and the second vaccine dose, respectively. So among the poll of people who got vaccinated, what we can understand from these numbers is that there was more people who got SARS-CoV-2 before yeah. the first dose, and after after uh, getting the first or the, sec or the second dose, very small pools of people developed SARS-CoV, uh, developed COVID-19. So this is just shows that it does happen, but it, compared to the number of people who did uh, get vaccinated, number of people who got COVID are still extremely small. Yeah. I suppose you could just say like that's, it, 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 I think as it went, it seemed like as it went on, the chances of you getting COVID increased after your vaccine but like at the time there was a definitely a protective effect yeah with with the vaccine from helping you prevent prevent you getting covid yeah definitely yeah i i i agree with that uh, is what we just said and now just getting into this <laughs> fine let's this, get into it <laughs> yeah. um yeah, yeah during the study period there was one one thousand 615 admissions or deaths related to myocarditis. So only 1,615 out of the pool of 38 million people vaccinated, right? Yeah. So that's just, that's not even, that's way below even 1%. That's 0. Yeah. 0.00 something, extremely small. Out of this 1,615 admissions or deaths related to myocarditis out of the 38 million vaccinated with at least one dose is equal, or actually I have the numbers, is equal to 0.04%. Okay. And now from this 1,615 people, 397 people suffered from uh, myocarditis within the one to 28 days post any dose of the vaccine. So in order for the myocarditis to be considered an acute form of myocarditis, it has to occur within that period of time. Within because anything days. that goes later, it's very hard then to link it into the, into the vaccines, right? But there is within like, 28 days, is it? Yeah, you want it, you want it really to be within the one to 28 days post-vaccination, first or second dose. Yeah. Because the, the longer you're on it, you, you know, the, the lower, the lower the chances of it being actually linked because people who get vaccinated, they have multitude of different uh, uh, confounding effects. They could, you know, yeah. they, have, they could have anything. They could get any sort of infection in between that could yeah, cause yeah. Uh, myocarditis. So out of the, again, out of the 1,615 people who were admitted or died, 22% have SARS-CoV-2 positive tests with 287 uh, or 17% of these being before vaccination. And this is where I run into problem with this study because they don't really have clearly defined control group that you would want to see. Yeah. So people, people who are vaccinated and developed myocarditis and people who are not vaccinated and developed myocarditis, they really do hear some uh, heavy duty statistics uh, and throwing data around to kind of trying to assess how many people had COVID before they were vaccinated and whether how if that pull develop uh, myocarditis or then I was kind of getting a little bit confused because I don't know if they associated myocarditis with the SARS-CoV-2 infection even if you developed SARS-CoV-2 post-vaccination. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Sorry, say that again? What? So I'm not sure if they not linking two things together. So let's say you got vaccinated. Yeah. You developed after vaccine, you developed uh, SARS-CoV-2 or COVID-19 infection. Yeah, yeah. Regardless of how small that chance of it is, yeah. but you, it did happen. Mm -hmm. And then in the space of one to 20 and days, one to 28 you days, get, you, you develop my myocarditis. Yeah. They might have associated that with the, the SARS-CoV-2 rather than oh, okay. uh, with the vaccine, or they might have added into the both groups. See, mm. like that's what I was that's what I was saying. I was trying to kind of go over how they did their statistics, but it kind of went over my head when I was trying to pull these it, pull these numbers. It wasn't accessible, really. 
no, like no at least like not you. for I'm not at least not for someone like but me. like so they looked the people who hadn't because like the, the this is the tricky part because so everyone's got vaccinated so it's like hard to get a control group because you need to yeah. have people who didn't get vaccinated and then you look and see from there on but like that's such a because that group's going to be so small so the group yeah. they used as the control was up to the point they got vaccinated yeah i think okay. so yeah and they they know to, and they just wanted to see because it's um, interesting to see because you said like people who were unvaccinated were more likely to get covid so um is that because they there was they're more likely to get covid than they're more likely to have a the myocardial infraction sorry myocarditis <laughs> myocarditis <laughs> yeah sorry they're more likely to have the myocarditis compared yeah. to like so that would seem like it would be higher rather than like the massive amount that people got vaccinated and then the the rates may seem high but like that's because yeah. so many have got vaccinated so yeah that's that's just what i would think but but anyway. that's why i think that's why this paper was so controversial because you could see it in so many different ways yeah it's it's tr- yeah it's it's tricky it's a tricky trying to um extrapolate the information really from from yeah. this but i also have some um uh, they, but they did some nice kind of distribution of which vaccine has uh, the most risk of being uh, of being associated with uh, myocarditis of those who have been uh, admitted or died from myocarditis in the um, in the 1 to 20 days post vaccination 12% and 10% had positive SARS-CoV test before the first and second dose of the uh, of the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine respectively and 7.4% before the first dose of the Pfizer vaccine so they, I think what they, I think exactly what is what they did. They, they, they look at the rate of vaccinated. They look at the rate of vaccinated who developed COVID nineteen, and they saw which group gets myocarditis often. And if it was higher with the group that had the COVID, then I think they assumed like, well, both groups had been vaccinated, but the other one on top of that got COVID, yeah. so it's probably COVID that that is more. Uh, so you were more so- likely to get COVID with AstraZeneca. You more you more likely to develop myocarditis if you've been vaccinated with the Oxford AstraZeneca and developed uh. COVID infection afterwards. See, that's the way I think you have to understand this. You can't just say hmm. that it's with AstraZeneca because on the, on its own, AstraZeneca it wasn't. Like yeah, on its own, AstraZeneca wasn't linked with myocarditis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only after you develop the SARS-CoV-2. But then, yeah, how do you distinguish between that and Pfizer? Then, well, they had to do the same. They had to do the same thing. Uh, they had to look at the pool of people who got Pfizer, one or two doses, and then it ha- the UK must must have some incredible tracking system or record keeping system because they had to know then how many people. Oh yeah, sorry. Re- they they got they would get the myocarditis with the Pfizer with the Pfizer compared to like getting us they had yeah. got COVID and then they got myocarditis yeah, yeah. oh yeah yeah okay so yeah, it's it's not ideal I understand that but as you have highlighted so many people got vaccinated you can't pull 38 yeah. million people who are not vaccinated and see but the, you can't pull 38 million people who were not vaccinated but developed COVID like that's just impossible task to achieve to create that control mm, group yeah so how many would have got Overall, how many people developed um, myocarditis because of the vaccine versus compared to like if um, the infection? Do you know like what the rate is? So the number that keeps circulating is the one thousand six hundred fifteen. But like percentage wise, do you know like how many? Percentage? Zero point zero 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 point zero zero four percent. So, but that so there's an overall rate. The risk of you getting uh, a myocarditis from the vaccine over the natural infection, you've an increase, like. Oh yeah, I understand your question now. Uh, one second, I have that. I have that data. I just have to pull it up. Um, I I remember that I highlighted this piece of text for myself. So this is taken from the paper from the discussion section, and it uh, it says. 
we estimated extramyocarditis events to be between 1 and 10 per million persons in the month following vaccination, which was substantially lower than the 40 extra events per million person observed following SARS-CoV-2 infection. First of all, what they show, I think, is that when you're vaccinated, your chances of getting COVID drop down dramatically. Yeah. So that was the first thing that dropped from, I think, 3 million people pre-vaccination who had COVID and then post-vaccination, the breakthrough cases were in like uh, uh, hundreds of thousands, which is not even like a yeah. half of what it was before. And then in itself, for the development of myocarditis, although it does happen, you have to be so extremely uh, unlucky for this to yeah. happen. And it, they, they do see a much higher risk um, of the of development of the disease uh, with Moderna. But then again, you, you have to remember, as we said, Moderna was the last one to roll out. They have the smallest pool of, pool of people to test from compared to Pfizer and AstraZeneca. So yeah. that, can be, that can have an effect on the results as well. And I know it kind of sounds like I'm making justification or excuses for this, but like this is how sort of science is being done that you have to acknowledge certain limitation of the study and then mm. you, 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 you doubt your own results based on the known limitation of the study, right? Yeah. You, uh, like it is, I think it's just a good practice that you're not being 100% convinced that like this is that there is a number of limitations that we have to acknowledge and yeah. they could have influenced the results we are seeing right now. And I think this is the best way to go about this. You just have to like, because there's no easy way about doing it. So you have to, like, you can't make a huge uh, assumptions on the data. You have to really break it down and look at it at each, for us, each, like how long after the, the vaccine, which vaccine, then did, you, did they get covid during the vaccine or before or after they got the vaccine and then you have to kind of look at it each way because you can't just be like oh they had the vaccine then they got all these my the my cases like you can't you because you're like well no you can't just look at it like that so i think that's the way you just have to go about it yeah you won't have a control group who just it'd be great to have a control group who never got the vaccine like a large number and you could be like okay we'll follow them and then yeah all these other people who just got had the vaccine never got covid infection yeah so this is what i actually wanted to say about this paper that there is there is a risk that they uh, that they observe most of the risk falls on the uh, on the moderna vaccine um uh, within the 1 to 28 days uh post vaccination <clears throat> however there is still according to that paper there is still a higher risk uh, associated with the SARS-CoV-2 and myocarditis rather than with the vaccine and myocarditis. To sum it up, risk of myocarditis is higher with the SARS-CoV-2 infection than it is with the, with the vaccine. Yeah. So you just uh, have to be, try not to get in, like the best and the more, the easiest way to not get infection is get the vaccine. And yeah. you have to be very unlucky to get a, the infection afterwards. Yeah. And that because then it would increase your chances, but that's like if you were unlucky. And did they break it down by age? They didn't. That they in did. This they had. They did a tremendous breakdowns through by demog demographic by the uh, age and sex. And it is it is evident that young adolescents males are uh, more prone to develop this compared to the female counter counterparts. And why? And do you know? Do they know why? Like so, they reckon. It could be something to do with the um, horm hor the hormones could influence uh, mm. this. Um, so this kind of explains the, uh, the 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 differences between genders. They reckon that testosterone can inhibit anti-inflammatory immune cells that promote more aggressive T helper one cell type immune response. I by contrast, estrogen, who's m m much more um, produced at much more much higher levels in females than in males uh, has inhibitory effect on the pro-inflammatory T cells resulting in the decreased cell, cell mediated uh, responses mm. so the but again this is just kind of a hypothesis put out there the testosterone versus ver, testosterone versus uh, oestrogen le, oestrogen levels can estrogen. influence that oestrogen level no, os, I will no, ostrich <laughs> uh, yeah 
so the, hor- the hormonal differences ah, okay. um yeah okay so like okay so is there anything else you want no, to yeah no. like the the thing i okay well i've read they wreck it I, I you've already mentioned this about that it's the underreporting. yeah so like do you think it's possible that it's capturing these right like capturing all the cases or is there a possibility that um this myocarditis has occurred and it's not there's been no symptoms in these people in these uh in the people i think it's that. possible i think it's i think it is a fact that uh, there was so much media media booze around these vaccines yeah. and people were kind of looking out for any sort of adv- adverse effects linked with them and that could have promoted what uh, what they saw with the my with the how to promote the, the the link between myocarditis and the vaccines whereas the diagnosis of myocarditis was not um on like on the top of priorities before that happened yeah historically the myocarditis was underreported and now it seems that it's on the rise yeah but that's simply true mm. the fact that it was not being picked up but like, at the same rate before yeah but like you know where i'm going with this um no so like if if it's more likely these like young men yeah are getting i don't i don't want to sound conspiratorial but young men are more likely to get the myocarditis they mightn't have the symptoms does this mean that like if going into the future mm-hmm. they likely could have increased rate risk of heart attacks heart heart problems and we won't know because they don't have the symptoms now so that's something we just can't really uh ever figure we can't really figure out i suppose like the big it's a big jump to assume i suppose that like this is happening we've no evidence of it but i understand what you're saying now yeah um yeah i think it's a tough question and i i don't want to say yes or no because i don't know i think it also depends what is if you have if you develop an inflammation of the heart muscle but is asymptomatic you have to ask yourself okay so how severe is it and to what extent it's gonna scar my 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 heart that could to, lead to that yeah. could lead to something serious in the in the future you know if you don't develop any symptoms then is your heart muscle as an instrument really being that mm. adversely affected is there that it could maybe show up after a few years because i understand that if you if you have the symptoms then that means there is there is some severe damage or at least significant damage happening to your heart muscle and but then again people okay people are being placed in the hospital for that but then the percentage of them dying was also rather small it was just the case it was just the issue that they developed myocarditis it wasn't that the f- it wasn't the issue that they died of myocarditis yeah but i, they, I think they left the hospital afterwards yeah yeah no i'm not I'm, I'm, I'm yeah i do agree that the risk of you dying or having a myocarditis after the vaccine or even the infection is really small i think it's minimal i'm just trying to say that could this be some unforeseen consequence seen down the line um i suppose like there's no way of knowing uh, unless yeah. you can kind of way of like if you can i don't know do a an echo on all these people like heart echo echogram or to, yeah, to assess it like w- w- i suppose you, we we can't really assess that but then this leads to my other point which is uh this i suppose it's kind of like i hate like again uh, we're making a huge assumption again that this could be possibly a risk does that mean that we shouldn't be exposing younger men to this risk compared to the infection but i suppose the infection no, is still because the the risk of this happening is so small that in the grander pool of all people it's just uh, insignificant and even within the this, the younger males group it's not something that happens let's say to every male out of three vaccinated you know it's still a very small proportion of of males that it does happen to yeah but i'm just saying uh being devil's advocate that the we still don't know if this could have a potential effect on heart problems in the future um this vaccine so i'm like should we is it worth exposing to this risk now 
I suppose then you could always still argue, though, if they had got SARS-CoV-2 infection, that this could lead to more heart problems on the line as well. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's because just... the, myo- myo- the, the fact is that the myocarditis does affect um, adolescent male more than female in general. Yeah. I'm trying to like look at it from the other... I'm trying to be the sceptical be skeptical about it that's just where like the podcast name but i'm just i'm just saying like because i do think obviously older age groups 100 percent, they definitely are such a high risk of covid that it, the, the the benefits definitely way outweighs the risk i'm just saying does that scale tip somewhat for younger younger men younger individuals um i suppose at this point in time we can't really you can't i suppose not do it because of potential risk that we just don't know about i just think yeah it, it's, it's something i think is going to be interesting i'd love if they could follow long term and see what what happens yeah but, i don't i don't think this is like the the solve it all paper that can answer all of these questions yeah i don't i suppose I, it's so many hypotheticals it's just um yeah. i'm trying to like yeah just but you know the the also i think there were studies coming out from israel and from america and they kind of are in line of what the what these guys showed in the uk population yeah so i think it would be yeah I it would be it, yeah i think it'd be interesting in like 5 or 10 years time look at it, these cohorts of people and the vaccine they got and all that kind of stuff i do think you see if they all have a heart complications <laughs> I, uh, I, I, hopefully I don't, not. Hopefully not. Yeah, it's just, um, I, it's just some way of like trying to show that we aren't just really biased on one side. We, or I'm trying to think of it from the other way as perspective as well. And I think you have, you can be skeptical about, you know, maybe their way they they run their statistics and the way they're assessed. They are, uh, um, you know, how they differentiated between vaccinated and the one who had COVID-19 and how did they maybe merge together some groups. But I think for what for what the study shows, I think it clearly shows a pattern that myocarditis is a risk. However, there is a higher risk with the, um, if you have infection, pre and post vaccination also shows that there is a lower risk of infection following following a vaccination and it also shows that yes with certain vaccines although very small numbers we discovered an increased risk compared to other vaccines for and that being said moderna has had the highest risk amongst the three vaccines compared but it doesn't mean that everyone who gets moderna develops myocarditis it is a small number of people that they were extremely small number of people they worked with yeah. yeah that that's just what i wanted to add to the <laughs> discussion so it's uh, hard to talk about these things because you don't want you what you don't want to do is is get it wrong things. or make yeah. it too simple and just n- not say something yeah. you know yeah yeah no that was great i i think that's um i think it's a good dis- uh investigation for this given some concrete numbers to to these like anecdotal oh i know someone who had this or Oh, yeah. oh like th- loads of people are in hospital with myocarditis like no there's actually some solid numbers to this and we can see that it's super low and it definitely seems to be higher in if you are um exposed to the virus if you're exposed to the virus and the best way to stop that is to to get the vaccine um yeah. well i suppose at the time i well yeah i won't go even go into that um <laughs> But yeah, that, that it, it's a yeah. I think you th- thanks for that. That was really um. Well, thank you, Evan. Interesting. I know it was tricky, tricky paper to look into. Oh, my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, at least we have some rebuttal for all these people who um are saying yeah. this with the myocarditis. Um. But yeah, it, it's it's such a. I think it's such a good boogeyman that a lot of these anti-vaxxers can use is like, oh, but like long term, this could affect X, Y, and Z, and it's like. And you, it's very like, oh my god, yeah, I could, but there's no way of backing that up, and it's just, it's just trying to scaremonger you. It's so easy to kind of just speed roll. You see something, and you just make it out of proportion, much bigger yeah, than it yeah, is. Yeah. yeah. Where sometimes, yeah, sometimes you just have to take a step back and just okay, let's. Yeah. It sounds pretentious, but like okay, let's look at the numbers. Yeah, yeah. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. That was it then today's episode we just had a look at some interesting news stories that happened since christmas 
and you just had to give us a good overview of the myocarditis uh, with the vaccine in the unvaccinated versus the vaccinated. That's um, it. Yeah, I thought so. Uh, great, great job. Hope you enjoyed it. I hope. We, I don't think we mentioned it. I hope you all had a cr- good Christmas. I hope you're all um, ready for a great year. I think in Ireland now we're we're out of restrictions, so we're hoping onwards and upwards for 2022. Just happy to go to the pub, is it? <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> and uh, hopefully we'll get some more good episodes in this year as well. Yeah. So thanks for listening. Anything else, Tom? No, just um, stay skeptical until the next time. Until the next time, I'll see you then. Bye. See you. Bye.